I don't see much of a difference between my spirituality and my creativity. I see them both as coming from the same drives and the same desires within me. The desire to connect with others, the desire to connect with myself, the desire to connect with the creation, with the earth around me, the desire to connect with the divine, like those four things we often talk about as our spirituality. For me, that's exactly what my what my creativity comes out of as well is my my desire for those connections and also my reflecting on all the ways that that gets shattered and broken and, and doesn't play out. This is Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Kia ora. welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations. I'm the host of the podcast, Andy Dixon, and it's a pleasure to have you joining me again today. Today's guest is Joel McKero, an award-winning writer, speaker, educator, artist, and one of Australia's most successful internationally touring performance poets. He's the artist ambassador for Tear Fund Australia and a huge part of the Justice Conference in Australia. Uh, coincidentally, actually, as this podcast is released, I'm uh, starting a creative writing course led by Joel and his friend Sabrina Lloyd, which I am super excited about. So hopefully you'll see some uh, some good creativity coming from this direction uh, as a result of, of uh, inspiration from Joel. Uh, in this conversation, we talk about his creativity, how that connects with his spirituality, which has changed over the years for him, uh, how he got involved in issues of justice, and so much more. We even listened to one of his poems partway through the episode, uh, released earlier this year. If you enjoy the episode, please share it with your friends, share it with your family, get this out there so that many, many more people can be inspired by Joel and what he has to say. He is inspiring, he's thought-provoking, and he's totally relatable, down-to-earth human being. This is episode 31 of Down-to-Earth Conversations. Here's Joel McKero. Well, I'm here today with Joel McKero. Kia ora, Joel. Wonderful to be here, Annie. Good to spend some time with you across the ditch. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I was about to say, where are you from? Obviously, from Australia is the, the That's across right. the ditch reference. Um, but yeah, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I'm, I'm currently in Melbourne. It's a lovely sunny day here. Uh, I am a poet um, is and a, and a writer and a storyteller in lots of different ways, but kind of poetry is the main thing that I have become known for over the last uh, many years of doing so. Um, I, uh, I love, I mean, I just love storytelling, whatever format that I can do it. So I write a lot of fiction. Uh, I speak at a lot of things. I do a bunch of storytelling in, in lots of different ways, but um, essentially I'd call myself a storyteller that, that, kind of plays and dabbles in lots of different art forms and ways of telling stories. Yeah, awesome. Um, actually, that's that's been a theme of some of the recent podcasts as well as is this idea of storytelling, uh, but seeing yeah. people do that in different ways. So so that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. How, did you, how did you get into poetry? Oh, well, poetry began for me a long time ago. Um, well, not long. I mean, how old am I now? I'm almost, I'm actually 40 next year. Can you even believe that? Um, the years fly by. 
But um, so I've, I've just tick, ticked over that last year. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so um, poetry began uh, probably in my late in my late twenties. So I was never really into poetry during school. They they it was taught um, <laughs> very haphazardly. Wasn't taught well as in most schools, but um, I fell in love with it uh, as a kind of late twenty year old, kind of discovering. Um, discovering a way for me to kind of process through a bunch of stuff that was happening in my life, a bunch of experiences that I was having that was um, that was shaking my faith over the years, that was uh, kind of the, uh, a journey, a bit of a journey of um, deconstruction and questioning and challenging and wrestling that kind of went alongside uh, this awakening journey of creativity within me. Um, uh, and so it was a beautiful way uh, to kind of cathartically uh, reflect on on what I was had been wrestling with at the time on experiences that I was having overseas and here in Australia that that were kind of shaking up my life and um, and causing me not to just I don't know have that stable foundation that I once did. I think poetry is a beautiful way. Writing of any description is a beautiful way to. Um, to reflect on those things. I was at, actually I was at a school yesterday talking about um, how it's, it's kind of like we've got this balloon inside us that gets blown up and blown up and blown up and just gets to the point of 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 popping. Uh, and poetry for me has has been this way to let some of the air out of that balloon. So um, mm. it's been a beautiful thing. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And I mean, you've you've been all over the world with it. You a number of years ago now you were in the individual world poetry slam um yes yeah for those who are unaware poetry slams are, are like a competition where you get judged by audience members um and and to get to the world level you're starting off with regionals and then ending up in national yeah, yeah. competitions and and so you've you know you've done all of that um what are some of your most memorable performances oh that's a good question most memorable performance ah oh. There's been many different ones for many different reasons. Um, maybe let me pick two. Um, one, just I don't know, it's just on top of my head, and it was a hilarious one. Is um, we were in, uh, I was in Canada, in Montreal, and uh, sitting in a. It was my day off. I was touring. I was doing a six month tour, no, three three four months tour of Canada, and um, I was sitting there in kind of this uh, Middle Eastern, uh, maybe Lebanese Middle Eastern restaurant. Um, and the, the owner comes out and part of the part of this cafe restaurant thing is that he pours you tea in kind of this traditional way, this beautiful up and down movement. And, and as he does, does so, he asks you for a story. And so, um, uh, so my friend that I was touring with, um, which I love that just that model of running a cafe mm. sits there and chats to his customers is a beautiful thing. Uh, we're like, yeah, Oh, we're cool. poets, poets from Australia. We're touring through. He's like, Oh, get up and do a, do a poem for us. We're like, okay. And then we hear this, this one of the kitchen hands yelling out, do something funny. So we, we both kind of did a, I had a poem about my red hair and dreadlocks and stuff. And my friend had a poem about peeing her pants. And, and so we did these, <laughs> these, these poems. And then the guy, the, the guy, um, to like there might have been 20 or 30 people he kind of gathers everyone around in the in the cafe and we perform our poems and then the the kitchen hand that had yelled out do something funny he comes out he's like oh i run a I'm running a comedy thing tonight could you guys come along and perform your pieces and we're like oh sure he's like okay here i'll just write i've got to go back to work but i'll just write the address just turn up at this time and i'll see you there so we turn up 
uh, at the address and it turns out it's the um at, at that point it was called the metropolis which is like the biggest venue in montreal like it was lady gaga the week before and so it was this massive like few thousand person venue and um <laughs> we we were like and it was the international montreal comedy festival their big their big comedy gala so like, their big comedy galas <laughs> and so suddenly we were like the english speaking between all of these french speaking comedians getting up in front of this massive uh, a massive kind of gathering of people and sharing our funny poems. It was just one of the, it was one of those weird experiences yeah. um, where, where you kind of reflect back and go, I don't know how the heck that happened, but geez, it was fun. <laughs> it, was, it was a good yeah. time. Yeah, so that, that, that was, that was a beautiful moment. Um, another, um, another beautiful moment for me um has probably in relation to New Zealand uh, was at Passion Fest. I, I'm a, I'm sure there's some listeners who go to Passion Fest, um, and I was there. I've been there a few different times and had a beautiful week performing a few years ago. And at the end, just performed, um, performed two pieces that were quite. It was just one of those moments. Like as a performer, you can do the same two pieces. You can do them one night and it's flat. You can do them the next night and something's happening. You can do them next night. It just feels like this transcendent, beautiful moment that everyone gets caught up in. They're exact same pieces, kind of performed exactly the same way, but there's just something that happens. And it was one of those, it was the morning at the end of Passion Fest in, in one of those smelly tents. Um, and it was just this beautiful moment of sharing where I ended up in tears and a lot of the audience ended up in tears. And then, um, and then as is, um, is tradition in, in some in passion fest in other places, I think it was this beautiful moment where some of the, um, Maori women got up and, and began to sing, uh, as a response to this, um, as a response to my performance. And, um, it was beautiful, really beautiful and then one of my uh one of my brothers one of my friends gets up right in front of me and and starts doing the haka straight straight to me and um and i just i just lost my shit really like um as as he stood up and then a bunch of others in the audience including um some beautiful new zealand friends of mine hannah chapman Mm. some of you might know just stands up and and it was I, i felt like in the moment of performance i had given absolutely everything like it was that kind of performance and then it was like instantly the response to fill me back up with these powerful warrior maori voices was like oh i can't it still sends shivers down my spine and makes Mm -hmm. uh, and brings tears to my eyes whenever i think of that that was that was definitely one of the most beautiful moments of performing i love Mm. too that that um like you you don't immediately jump to well i managed to perform in front of this many thousand people or you know nah. I, I performed with this famous person you know it's, it's <laughs> it, hearing you talk about it is like these are the ones that moved you or, you know whether it's yeah. in that kind of emotional deep way or in that like what the hell's happening kind of way <laughs> yeah um, yeah that, that sounds hilarious that that um comedy fest one um, <laughs> it was great apart from being a comedian uh you, yeah. you are, you are um, like you say, you're you're a poet, but you're also um, you're a playwright, you're an author, um, you're an educator. Uh, you've got your own podcast as well, and mm. uh, and you've also got an art exhibition. So you've got all these things going on. What is it that you love most about what you do? Mm. 
Yeah, good question. Um, I, I think there's two parts to it. One, what I love most about what I do is uh, is the part that relates to me in terms of my own as I'm creating in that moment. I love creative flow. Like it's it really is an addiction. Um, and it sends off all the all the endorphins and the hormones, et cetera, et cetera, that you get from highs, from uh, drug-induced highs, the the creative uh, flow moments where you are just it's just you and the paper and and the world dissipates, the world falls away, and all your it's not like your problems fall away in terms of them being ignored, but it's just this moment where um you truly do feel like a vessel like mm. a vessel for the divine to flow through for who you the deepest parts of yourself to flow out onto the page um i love those moments of creativity uh, be it be it through writing or be it through um painting so painting has become a, a thing for me i never knew that i could paint i'd always told myself for years and years that i wasn't I mean, ever since I was, I don't know, a kid, um, mm. that I couldn't that I couldn't paint, and then um, I was just into words. I loved words, and then um, at the end of two thousand, just before COVID, I, I toured the release of my book, and a friend invited me along to an art studio, and um, that she runs, and I just kind of sat along in one of her lessons, and was like, oh, actually, I love this. Like, I, yeah. I really love this, and so, and it became a bit of a savior for me last year during during the lockdowns and stuff and homeschooling, et cetera, where it was hard to write and focus on that, but I just yeah. got to paint. So I've, so I love losing myself in those moments. Um, and then in terms of, for me, when I bring it out to the world, the best, the best moments are where it's so obviously moves someone and, and resonates in them and changes something in them. And I hear back from people, um, whether it's straight after a performance, whether it's after I've been at a school uh, and they, and, or whatever it might be, or someone sends me an email later on after something and just says this, what you said there, it was exactly what I needed to hear at exactly yeah. the right moment. And, and you articulated what I couldn't articulate. And I feel like... Um, I just I just got an email the other day from a lady who uh, did one of my courses who um, I didn't realize as she was doing this course was suicidal and wow. and just didn't want like suicidal ideation kind of stuff didn't want to live anymore as she came into this course and was just like oh, I'll do this creative writing course and kind of came out the other end and was like I have a reason to live now. Like I have wow. something to live for. And so when I, I mean, when, when you see life lives changed because yeah. you, because you just get to play with creativity and, and share it with the world, that's, uh, it's nothing better. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, mm. I've found that with, with my creativity too, that those mm. moments where it makes a difference for someone just means so much more than any kind of applause or, you know, yeah. people people telling you you're really good or anything like that. Um, yeah, interesting. You talk about the painting and and how you told yourself for years that you couldn't do it. Um, we had a a guest last year um, who is an artist, a full time artist, and mm. she got told by her high school art teacher that she wasn't any good, and yeah. that yeah. he 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 was her teacher for three years and didn't believe in her. And then she didn't it's paint for, thir for 30 years Far and is, out. Now, is now an international award-winning artist. 
it's amazing uh, after not doing it for 30 years she just kind of picked it up and and is amazing and and i think there's so much to be said for the things that we tell ourselves or the things that other people tell us about what we can and can't do um totally and and so fantastic fantastic for you that you've found this other avenue to go well actually i love this thing too and um, yeah it's been a beautiful thing a beautiful and i think I, I agree i think we all have those shut down moments where someone or something or our own negative self-talk or a teacher who just had their own issues shut yeah. shut our creativity down it's for me it's a really sad thing to see and that's one of the joys of my life is seeing people come to life in their creativity again um yeah. and to to challenge those stories that we tell ourselves because we've been shut down in the past it's yeah. so important so crucial uh, you also see creativity um, quite clearly through everything you do. Creativity is more than just about being creative for art's sake. You know, there's mm. a depth to what you're doing. Um, mm. And and one of the things that you your whole podcast revolves around this connection between creativity and spirituality. Um, yeah. Do you want to just I don't know share with us where, where do you see that link? Because a lot of my experience in the church has been. Uh, if you're a musician, you can join the worship band, uh, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. otherwise there hasn't necessarily been too much of a connection for people between their spirituality and their creativity. And, and a lot of times yeah. it's like, well, I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm also an artist, Yeah, you know, and it's, it's a separate thing. How, how for you does that go together? Yeah. 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 Good question. Um, I think, and I, I was, I was going to say in there, it's, it's sad as well. Like if artistry is used within the church, it's often just an illustration for the more important thing, which is the sermon. Totally. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, I, and you, you, and it's only you ever connected if you're actually painting pictures of Jesus. Um, yeah, that's right. And, or lions, um, or lions, or lambs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I, um, it's it's an incredibly sad thing, and it means I think that there's many artists um who feel very lonely in their endeavors many artists who haven't been able to bring together their spirituality their faith with their artistry because no one's taught them how um no one's taught them that they that these two are um are incredibly linked together and and i don't actually i don't see much of a difference between my spirituality and my creativity i i see them both as coming from the same drives and the same desires within me so the desire to connect with others the desire to connect with myself the desire to connect with the creation with the earth around me the desire to connect with the divine like those four things we often talk about as as our spirituality like relationship with god relationship with self relationship with creation relationship with others um for me that's exactly what my what my creativity comes out of as well is my, my desire for those connections, my seeking to be one, like that oneness with each of those things. And also my reflecting on all the ways that that gets shattered and broken and, and doesn't play out. I think artistry um, as spirituality should um, has this, this beautiful thing of holding together. It's what I call kind of holding together our, our aching pain and our delicious hope, um, bringing these two things and refusing to let go of either 
I think we need to do that in our spirituality. Uh, and most of the time, again, we, we often go straight to the um, delicious hope and we don't sit in the lament and the aching pain and the, the darkness of life and that God often is not doesn't seem to be around and God can feel like a real prick sometimes um, and and. Can, can we can really feel alone in our faith, in our walk, in our spirituality, in our humanity. And because it is our humanity, therefore it does play out in our creativity. And so within our creativity, uh, I think holding on to both of these as well and as in, as singer-songwriters, it's singing the, the lament songs. As yeah. poets, it is, it's writing the lament poems. As painters, it's going to those. It's being willing, I think, to go to those dark places, um, to those painful places, and in the midst of that as well to find the light that is there, to find that delicious hope that is there, to kind of name name the darkness and the pain, to name the be it internal realities or social realities to um, oh, I'm thinking of that song by, I don't know, it's, Casey Chambers is an Aussie. Do you guys know Casey Chambers over there? Uh, I don't. Some of our listeners no. might. No. <laughs> so she's, she is an Australian, or as we say on, on the lands that we now call Australia, um, she is uh, an Australian singer. She sang a song called Ignorance, and the, lie, the chorus was, if you're not pissed off with the world, then you're just not paying attention. And so oh. I think allowing ourselves to feel that pissed off nature with the world, yeah. to feel that lament with the world and also with our own internal and spirituality. I just, I think that our creativity and our spirituality is all the ways we can name our disconnection and seek and desire for that connection, for that that beautiful hope. So therefore, yeah, I don't see them as two separate things. They're just yeah. the, the outflowing of those those desires within us. I love that connection or that, that idea of the connection, but also the broken connection. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and I think where I've seen creativity done badly in church spaces, it's been trying to not think about the broken connection as much as, as the, all the positive stuff. Yeah. And, yep. and yet actually some of the deepest thing come out of the observation of that brokenness and, That's and right. of the, yeah. the, where's the hope in that. Um, and I know, I mean, for me personally, uh, poetry has been a huge way of processing um, depression and anxiety um, yeah. and and other things that have been really challenging spaces for me. Yeah. And and it's been a, a way of essentially what the psalmists were doing, going, God, what the hell, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's going, without necessarily even writing a poem to God, you know, yeah. but, but it's still just that lament coming out of you of going, this this doesn't feel how it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. There, there's something going wrong here. And, and whether, you know, that society that's, that's doing that, whether it's just, you know, the mood I'm in at the moment, whatever. I love that yeah. idea that actually that, that is spirituality tapping into yeah. those spaces and, and, um, and being honest about them. Um, mm. Which, yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things I do with my poetry is, is I, um, go into the the bridge which is a um, addiction clinic in in um, Christchurch and I run workshops with the the guys yeah, going through cool. rehab and yeah. uh yeah they they're all expecting to hate it um yeah. but all all end up just actually really loving it because they're able to tap into stuff that they haven't even thought 
that that's how they felt, you know, that yeah. I've had so many of them say to me, oh, I never knew I felt that way about my dad or, you know, mm. stuff like that, that um, mm. is just, and I love the idea that that is spirituality, you know, that yeah. that's not something yeah. separate from spirituality. That's actually part of our spiritual journey because spirituality yeah. actually encompasses everything. So yeah, um, yeah, no, that's really beautiful. Yeah. One of my favorite poets, John O'Donohue says, uh, poetry is a fascinating conversation with your unknown self. Fascinating That's conversation cool. with your unknown self. And I think especially for us, um, maybe, well, I'm just saying us, but those who are listening who are passionate yeah. about, be it social justice issues or changing yeah. the world, et cetera, et cetera. One of the, I think one of the um, communities over here, a monastic community called the Transfiguration Community, one of the values of their community is to disarm the world. We first need to disarm our own hearts. Yeah. And um and I I've taken that phrase on as uh, really as my own value because I think it's so crucial and and I see so many people passionate about changing the world but unless we're willing to sit in the pain and the sorrow and the how our own hearts have become guarded and armed against the world we just in the midst of our passion to help the world, we leave a wake of destruction and destructive relationships behind us. So I think it's, mm. uh, and it's poetry, it's creativity that helps us. Songwriting, it's painting, it's all these things that helps us to name these realities that we'd rather ignore, but we, I think we have to go into them if we want to live healthy mm. whole lives. You mentioned the social justice. Yes. That's been a big part of your journey as well. Um, you, yeah. You've, got strong ties to TF Fund Australia and to the Justice Conference yeah. Australia. Yeah. Um, what is it that drew you into being passionate about that? So I grew up uh, middle class, white, conservative, evangelical Australia land. Um, and that was my, um, that was my, I, I talk about it. I've written a book called Woven, A Faith for the Dissatisfied, mm. which is kind of a lot of this journey for me. Um, and I talk about it in the book as kind of the fishbowl that I grew up in. Um, that uh, the phrase, a fish in a bowl doesn't know that it's wet. It's been swimming around its, its watery environment. I'd been swimming around my entitled, privileged environment uh, my whole life um, as growing up. And I had no idea the reality of the world outside of that fishbowl. And so, um, one of the experiences that I talk about in the book is is being over in um, over on the border of Thailand and Burma and uh, going to an orphanage there it was kind of one of my big first experiences outside my fishbowl and and um, coming into the orphanage at the same time as a mother arrived with her sick baby on her back that she'd been traveling through Burma trying to find medical medical care for and and the baby had had just died on her back and she I arrived and she so I arrived to this wailing wailing lady and and my first job kind of at this place was to go up and and to dig a grave for this baby boy and and I just I remember digging a grave and placing this boy inside this grave and and I it was one of the shattering moments of my life in terms of my faith and all that kind of stuff I got everything kind of deconstructed and shattered kind of stemming out of the that moment and a number of others Um, but it also started my journey in terms of social justice to, to really to begin to go if I had a kid at that point I didn't have kids but if I had a kid 
who was sick, I just take them to the hospital, to the um, to the doctor, and this lady couldn't do that. How unfair is the world? How unjust is the world? And so it began. It's it kind of began a whole journey for me, um, stemming out of that moment and a few others at the same time. That was like, what does this actually look like then for me to? Um, to engage in the real world around me, not just my fake, uh, not just the fake world of the Western dream, but um, mm. yeah. So it feels like my whole life then is, has been kind of one blindfold after another being taken off my eyes. Um, I, I remember kind of around the same time having, um, having uh, being invited to go along to a soup, to a drop-in centre for street workers for prostitutes uh, who had come in off the corner and were having a meal and having a having a shower and having a chat and then um, I just I remember standing beside one and thinking to myself this must have been just before like it was around the same time um, thinking to myself you know I I've called myself a Jesus follower all my life yet here I am washing dishes with this lady and who Jesus would have spent all of his time with these kind of people. And I've spent like none of my life (laughs) and I've called my, like I haven't been following Jesus. It was one of those very confrontational moments of I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christ follower. I go to church and youth group and Bible studies have all my life. I pray the prayers. I do the thing, but actually following Jesus looks very different to how I've been living. So um, though a number of things that happened around then kind of, caused me to go on the the journey into social justice that I have for many years since. And great that you could then have a really obvious connection with your, like as you discovered poetry as well, you know, there was was a real easy link between those two worlds. Um, Yeah. I I often uh, explain to people about poetry or the, the spoken word poetry, performance poetry as being like the early rap scene, I guess, where it was a, a, a cry from the margins and yeah. and I find that that poetry leans itself or lends itself to that as well. That so many yeah. of the poets are people who are those people on the margins, but then also like you, as this white middle class conservative yeah. Christian guy, can also yeah. tap into that space and use that to help you process and and find a different space as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, just just beautiful. Yeah, you you've like I say, you've, you've done a lot of poetry stuff with, uh, tear fund and with the justice conference. Yeah. Um, you, you recently released one called reset, which I shared on yeah. my social media and, and I thought just a really powerful, um, examination of what's been going on for the last year or so. Um, yeah. what we'll do is I'll just pause the, the podcast and, and insert this and then we'll come oh, yeah. back and have a bit of a, a chat about it. Great. Enjoy listeners. A blinking cursor, a frozen screen, 2020, an overloaded system in so many ways. And don't we wish it was as easy as just turning it off and on again? A reboot and a new startup screen to load it all up just as we were. Surely it was all running fine before this. Our lives, this software, application after application, weren't we performing at our best? The fastest processing speed yet? Actually, beneath it all, perhaps this operating system has been struggling for some time now. Faulty circuitry, a motherboard too hot, an inevitable system failure. 
all this doing and doing and running and running a mainframe that might have made our apps run smoothly, yet for the majority they knew something was wrong well before we... Momentum to bring about lasting change. You see, sometimes a virus just shows us what in fact has been destroying us for a long time now. So here's the thing. What if this virus is not just an opportunity to turn it off and on again? To return to the same way we've always been operating? To go back to the old normal? What if this is actually an invitation to reset? To preset a better way of being, deflect from the rat race, reflect a more compassionate holding of ourselves and others. What if we took the time to turn our eyes away from these computer screens, to look up and see the people in the room, the trees in your street, the flowers in your yard? What if a reset looked like learning how to listen again? Turning off the electricity so you might elect to run from a different energy to rewire some circuitry and remember the reason you sit at the computer in the first place. Because I know it's a fantasy that we could just leave it all entirely, walk away from our reality, but reality changes when we learn how to see it differently. This is what reset is all about. This is the invitation of this time. Remember when your parents swore you would get square eyes from staring at a square screen? But what if it's time to have beautiful eyes from staring at beautiful things? Hopeful eyes. Compassionate eyes. Jesus' eyes. To reset your life. Cool, so that was Reset, uh, and how, how did that come about? Was it something that you mm. just had burning inside of you and you went to, to them and said, hey, I've got this thing, or did they come to you and say, hey, can you write something for us? How does that work for you? Yeah, yeah, so I'm the, so I'm the artist ambassador for Tear Fund um, Australia, and so I, I work with them on a number of different projects, both kind of doing my own thing that they then connect into and I talk about T-Fund and connect people to them. Um, but also um, I work with them on the different projects they're doing. So at the moment it's the uh, – this year is like the 50th uh, year of T-Fund Australia. So it's their jubilee year. Um, and so they, they've kind of shaped their whole year around this idea of reset. Mm. Um, and so initially, so they had come to me um, to to say, could you write a poem around reset? But of course, it's uh, like I'm not just writing it as a because they asked me yeah. to. It's something yeah. that I've been that I had been wrestling with throughout this year mm. of lockdown and um, homeschooling kids and um, all that stuff of um, wanting things to go back to normal and yet knowing that perhaps this is calling us out of what has mm. been normal. Um, and the kind of our addiction to progress and production and all that kind of stuff that we have in our society um, and, and being forced just to stop so many things, being forced to stop and, and reflect and, and that this could be a moment to, to reset our lives, to shape our lives around a different set mm. of rhythms than, than we have in the past, I think is really 
I mean, it's crucial for any of us to to choose the rhythms by which we live. Otherwise, they'll be chosen for us by our society. And so this, to have a a kind of circuit breaker of this virus and everything stopping and everyone questioning what they're doing and how they're doing it, it's such a important moment for us to to go, well, what what are the rhythms that I want to shape my life around? How can I... Um, not just go back to the old, but how can I reset in a in a mm. different way? And I and I love that. I mean, the connection to the jubilee kind of is a it's a beautiful yeah. that it is T Funds kind of T Fund Australia's jubilee year, and which is the year jubilee was the year of resetting of of the in terms of biblical stuff history of the. Um, uh, everything going back to kind of equal level, slaves slaves being set free and land being given back and everything kind of starts again was the the hope for Jubilee. Mm. Um, and so to have to have those two confluence together, I think is a really beautiful mm. thing. So it was kind of out of all of those thoughts of yeah. being stuck in stuck in lockdown, trying to work out life, what life's going to look like coming out of it. Yeah, and I think that's really powerful because like you I've heard a lot of people saying I can't wait till things get back to normal Um, and actually for us New Zealanders life is actually fairly normal apart from yeah apart from that we don't have tourists Um, yeah but but we've been in that privileged position where actually a lot of life does just carry on and yet there is still this awareness of there's this global thing happening it does affect us um, maybe not as much as others but but actually is going back to normal what we really want. And, you know, yeah. I, I live in Christchurch where um, it's just been 10 years since we had a devastating earthquake. And, um, wow. you know, what, one of yes. the big things that that happened out of that was that, like, people got to know their neighbours that they'd never known before. And there was a whole lot of, yeah. you know, really yeah. awesome new stuff that happened that hadn't happened for a long time. And, yeah. um, and 10 years on, I look at it and go, actually – it would have been cool if that carried on, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, maybe it hasn't, maybe we have just gone back to normal in some ways. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and just recently it's, it's been two years since we had um, 51 people died in, in mosque shootings. Um, yeah. Gunman, yeah. Gunman came in That's and, right. and, you know, again, it, it changed things at the time. Yeah. And yet only two years on, it's like, well, has it changed it actually? <laughs> You yeah, know, yeah, and I, and that's why I love about this this idea of reset that mm. that it's a challenge to go. What are we going to do here with this opportunity? You know, it's it's mm. not an opportunity we would have chosen, um, mm. but it's what we've got. So what are, what do are we yeah. do with that? And and I love that heart that it's not just looking and going. Oh well, all this stuff is bad. It's just going. What yeah. do we want for our future? What do we want for the future of of the world? Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, when you think about all that kind of stuff, all the social justice thing, what is it that gives you hope? What gives me hope um, at the moment is probably seeing the lives of people and hearing the stories of people who are just doing the stuff, who are continuing on. I think about uh, my friend um, Anna Jane Joyner, who... I think was at the New Zealand Justice Conference with me a few years ago. She's a climate activist and uh, her father's a very prominent uh, evangelical Pentecostal pastor over in the US who um, who was very uh, Trump-supporting, et cetera, et cetera, that whole, that whole tribe. And to see her, uh, so she's, she's kind of 
uh, had a lot, a lot, a lot of friction with her with yeah. her father over over the years. But um, she's someone who just inspires me to keep going. Like she, she has for all for so many reasons she should be the kind of person who would just be like i am so done like um mm-hmm. even in the face i mean many of us in the face of climate justice of climate change it is it feels so overwhelming and unhopeful and um and like ah oh, are things ever going to change and have we just reached way past the point where even if we change things we're just screwed anyway um to see simply the life of someone who is still choosing the activist life um, mm. in the face of in the face of all the global problems in the face of family who is not supportive in the face of um, her own kind of um, mental health issues and her own working through the, all that kind of stuff yeah so just just someone like that that's just someone off the top of my head um, to see that life and the life of so many people who are continuing to do the stuff continuing to create continuing to push through um, it's the people, it's the stories of people yeah. doing the stuff. That's that's what inspires me and gives me hope to keep going. Um, yeah. yeah. Cool. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Um, and uh, as we near the end, I do want to touch on your book, um, Woven, which oh, yeah. uh, you released in 2019. Um, yes, yeah. right before I, COVID. Good, good time yeah. to launch a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which actually, before we get to the book, I, I heard you talking about how you were in the air when – rules got changed and you ended up stranded I was. Is, yeah is, yeah I was. tell, tell I was us that my, i was on my way to a conference uh in the u.s in um, north carolina and i arrived basically as kind of as i left things were beginning to like my wife and i had the conversation of should i be going should i not go i was like it was just at that moment like there was a weekend where everything just took off where i was like oh crap this is massive it was right I was in the I was in the air right at that moment where our prime minister did kind of his big announcement, first announcement. Trump did his first big announcement. Things started closing down, so I I was essentially in the air during those two announcements. We decided that I'd go and just it was kind of like worst comes to worst. Like in a week or two, I'll come. I'll have to come back or something. Like we just yeah. decided to go for it. So I was there for twelve hours in San Francisco. Kind of got out of the plane. Was like crap okay, things have changed. 12 hours, my conference was cancelled. I had to, I, I bought a flight on the way home and that flight ended up being delayed um, and then cancelled overnight. So I was stuck in a hotel. I was basically, I was in aeroplanes and the airports waiting for flights for like, oh, what did I work out? It was something like 36 hours out of a wow. two and a half, <laughs> three day period. Like it was just insane. It was a it was not a fun. Yeah. It was not a fun time to no. be be flying around the world. No. <laughs> but I you know, imagine. I I arrived back and um, we go went into lockdown before everything else went into lockdown because I had to, and um, and I get to be in this beautiful place and I get to do this with my family and um, and I just have it so much better than the millions and millions and millions of people all over the world who. Yeah. Who are who have been forced into into poverty because of this pandemic? Yeah. Um, yeah. My my issues are nothing compared to so many people. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, on to the book. Um, yeah, I, this is a bit of a fanboy moment, I guess, because the, the the book for me is is probably one of the the best books I've read in the last couple of years in terms of its oh, impact on me. Um, thank and you. I, yeah. One of the things I like the most 
apart from the fact that rather than being a bullet point guide to life, you know, you <laughs> yeah. are a storyteller. So it is, you, you yeah. tell stories the whole way through the book. Yeah. And so yeah. it's really engaging. But I think for me, it was the language you used where you were exploring, you know, shifting faith and shifting yeah. beliefs. And a lot of the time we hear people talk about that as deconstruction. Yeah. And I've always found that a, as as my beliefs have, have changed and shifted you know, I've kind of understood that, you know, there's some things to pull yeah. apart from what I used to believe, but yeah, it got, it, it seemed very linear and f- it was hard to figure out, well, where does this deconstruction stop and where does some construction yeah. happen? And you yeah, know, yeah. And, um, whereas you use uh, terms like s- sculpted and unraveled yeah. And, yeah. and woven. And yeah. for me, it was just really beautiful images of um, actually that not everything about the old was bad you know there are yeah, things of right. that that actually get woven into what is the new and yeah um, yeah yeah i mean for you what how was that process of of writing that because it, it seemed mm. like a lot of years worth of thought had had then sort of eventuated in this thing that you produced yeah yeah it was a li- a lifetime of thoughts came into that book it really did kind of a lifetime of my thinking around how spiritual formation happens and how identity formation happens. And I, I've been working for years and years and years with young people in colleges doing kind of spiritual formation programs and that kind of stuff before poetry took over my life and, um, and, and in my own life. And so it really, it was a moment when I wrote that book, it was a time to take all of that and reflect on my own life and the stories of the countless, countless, countless amounts of people who are walking out the back door of the church um, and to try to, because I had come to a place and a, a lot of the writing of this book began when I was on um, on the holy island of Lindisfarne over in, and I, and I talk about this in the book, um, over in uh, on the border of Scotland and England uh, where I was, I had three months on an island there, um, this beautiful Celtic island with a, a really incredible community there. And it was I was reflecting on that it was through kind of this Celtic understanding of the world, Celtic Christianity and 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 the values they uphold, et cetera, et cetera, that I was able to go, oh, I don't just have to, exactly as you said, I don't just have to throw the faith out. Um, and I think the way that I phrase it in the book is we we don't need to throw the baby of faith out with the bathwater of cultural Christianity, yeah. um, which is our kind of, it's, it's an easy way out. It, it really is an easy way out. I think just to go, well, screw it all. Um, yeah. Like I'm going to, I'm going to throw all that out and either become like a bitical, bitter, cynical bastard or just kind of leave the faith entirely, whatever it is. I, I think a harder, a harder place to sit in is, is what I call that woven place where those mm-hmm. unraveled threads and those, those things that that don't fit, um, those things that we want to rebel against and run away from, to able to thread those together with the beautiful things of my upbringing, the beautiful things of the faith, um, I think is really crucial, um, really crucial for us to then to be able to say, I can still be a, a Christian, a Christ follower. I can still call myself a Christian, but that Christianity looks very, very, very different to the the faith that I grew up in, and um, and that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing. Something we should be celebrating. Um, that what that difference can kind of look like. So the book was a way, I think, for me to explore that to help people not just like there's been a, a number of things, as you said, 
books and podcasts, et cetera, done around deconstruction. But the heart of this book really for me was about, about reconstruction, about reweaving, yeah. about, about how do we hold this thing together, not just, not just tear this thing apart. And, and as you said, none of it's linear. Like, and that's a major part of the book that I mm. go into as well is it's not this movement from deconstruction to reconstruction or from having a sculpted faith which is kind of sculpted by your community and church that you grew up in to an unraveled to then a woven. It's within us all the time, things are unraveling and things are reweaving and, and the, my sculpted reality. Um, I'm constantly still having to recognize how sculpted my view of the world is by my um, male privileged white middle-class perspective um yeah. to to deny that i am sculpted is to deny my entitlement like it's to um it's mm. to pretend that it's not there and so i think um our sculpted selves our our unraveled selves and our woven selves they are always always going around um always affecting us always within us and at times we can kind of lean into each of those and work out the way forward yeah i love too that in the book you explore the idea that actually questions doubts those sort of things yeah are helpful for faith you know they're, mm. they're mm. not a distraction from it which that's right I, it's so easy to to feel like if you've got questions there's something going wrong here um, yeah yeah but and it's come up on a few other with a few other guests as well that actually you know doubt and questioning is is actually really important for faith. And I love that that idea comes through in your book as well. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, thank you for writing that. It's It's been a real blessing to me and I'm sure to, to a number of others. Um, and yeah. I totally recommend that people go and buy it and read it. Um, yeah. What What's next for Joel McCarrow? <laughs> um, oh, working out what life looks like now that we are coming out of COVID here in Australia. <laughs> um, partly that, part, like I've got, I'm, I'm the kind of person who has about 10 different um, 10 different things on the go at the same time. Uh, so I have fiction books that I'm writing and um, screenplays that I'm writing and poems that I'm writing and paintings that I'm painting and um, non-fiction books around story and creativity that I'm writing. Like I'm constantly doing things. My uh, I, I would have just sending. Skateboards that I'm sending, that's right. I would have just released, uh, as this comes out, um, I, part of – Part of the painting thing coming together with the poetry um, has been this new project called Human, um, a, an exploration of the inner life, which is essentially taking, I've, I've been painting the different, um, kind of using the framework of the Enneagram plus, plus a few more um, types and understandings or ways of seeing the world. There's 12 different paintings that each uh, have a watercolour painting and a skateboard with the painting inked on it and a poem and that poem I've worked with musicians from around the world. So it's kind of each each thing has these four parts to it and um, it's my first kind of online gallery exhibition thing. So um, people can go and check that out if they all, I mean, anything of mine, all my stuff is at joelmacero.com uh, if people are interested. Um they can they can find that there and go and kind of explore the exhibition and, and hear the music and um, especially if you're uh, into the enneagram but you don't have to be into the enneagram to to learn from yeah. it and grow with it and spend that time kind of self-reflecting. So yeah, just a lot more for you of of keeping the balls in the air and figuring out which ones to keep juggling and which ones not to and see yeah yeah 
Yeah, I think it's the life of an artist, uh, of a full-time artist, is you have uh, 10 thing, ten balls up in the air, probably many more actually, but 10 kind of creative projects up in the air at yeah. a time that you're trying to work out how to how to play with. Oh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we really mm. appreciate your time. I love your heart for justice and how that combines with your creativity. Mm, and Thank you. Um, yeah, we'd really recommend that people check out your poems. Um, there's lots of them available through your website on YouTube, that sort of thing. Um, mm. and I'll put a whole bunch of links in the show notes as well so people can find it really easily um, but yeah just want to say thanks for what you're doing to help to bring a bit of heaven down to earth mm, my pleasure great to be here and chat about it hello hello heaven will I hear you whisper to come What a beautiful conversation with a beautiful human being. I don't know about you, but listening to this again has been so inspiring to me to keep doing good in the world, to tap into my creativity and to let it be a blessing for others, and to explore ways in which my faith and my life have been sculpted and to see things with new eyes. If you enjoyed my conversation with Joel, then definitely check out his podcast, The Deep Place on Creativity and Spirituality. It's full of pure gold. And make sure you head to his website, uh, joelmacero.com to check out his art exhibition and poetry human is the name of that as well as finding out what else he's up to and like i said in the interview i just i simply can't rate his book highly enough get it read it have your life changed uh, links for all those in the show notes so as we come to the end of the episode joel here is a simple blessing for you as you continue to live your life and to create in the myriad of ways that you do, may you continue to find life and love in your relationships with others, self, creation, and the divine, and may others be transformed as you invite them to join you in those spaces. May you continue to see the creativity that you get to play with every day make a meaningful difference in the lives of those you encounter, even in ways that you would have never expected, touching hearts and lives in meaningful ways. May you continue to find joy and laughter in the world around you, in your wife and children, in your writing and performing, and in the memory of French-Canadian community festivals that you didn't expect to be performing at. May your children grow in their awareness of life and the divine as you immerse them in a world of storytelling and justice, of exploration and adventure. May you know the comfort of the divine in times of aching pain, and may you be able to sit in that place, finding the delicious hope that is present there, your creativity bursting forth from within that collision of contradictions. May you continue to have your eyes open to ways in which you have been sculpted, of which you were yet unaware. And may the constant dance of being unravelled and woven present life and faith and art and family to you in ways that you never dreamed of. And may you know that you really do live the way of Jesus, giving of yourself that others may be blessed and speaking words of life to all who pass you by. Thanks to Strawn again for the music, to Rangi for the karakia, the Lord's Prayer, and thanks to you all for listening. Join me next time when I interview Liz Rate-Smith, who uses art to support recovering addicts, people struggling with their mental health, and people currently in prison. Another fantastic conversation. Until then, 
med ännu ett tattoo. Eto mata matoi terangi kia tapu to ingoa kia tai mai to rangatira tanga kia me te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te fenua kia rite ano ki to terangi hommai kia mata wai nei e taro mata mote nei ra. Muro mato hara me mato hoki e muru nei i o te hunga e hara na kia mato aua hoki mato e kawia kia fakawia engari fakorangia mato i te kino ah.